It's Tuesday again. So uh, welcome back, Mona. How are you? I'm fine. How are you, Charlie? Did you watch the coronation? Did you get up? I watched a little tiny mm-hmm. bit of it, I will say, um, and noticed that the uh, golden carriage was marching down streets that I had previously had my footfalls on. That's right. You were just yeah. there. So, were you thinking that maybe you would have liked to have been there? I mean, I, I think I think some of the shows were pretty good, right? I mean, yeah, when, you, when you're the king, you can get Katy Perry to perform for you, I guess. <laughs> It's a lot of falderall, you know, in my heart, I am a small D Democrat. And so I'm not, you know, not a royalist, uh, but, uh, you know, whatever. I will confess that uh, my wife got me up and we watched pretty much the, the whole thing. Okay. Did you so really? Wow. I did. I did. Um, so where do we start today? Because there's a lot of news and um, most of it, should we say, is, is somewhat disturbing. We have this new poll out showing that Donald Trump is now leading Ron DeSantis by 40 points. He's over 60 points. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, oh. the United States has passed 200 mass shootings this year. The former president who is leading in the polls... Um, has just been ordered by the judge in his criminal case to not share any uh, evidence on social media. So there's that. The E. Jean Carroll case is rested in this civil rape trial after jurors see the video of Trump confusing her with his ex-wife. And that goes now to the the jury. And uh, again, we also have this poll showing that, and maybe an outlier, uh, showing that Trump would uh, would beat Joe Biden. Interesting piece in the New York Times this morning by Peter Baker. Biden casts himself as the Trump beater. Polls suggest that's no sure thing. Boil down President uh, Biden's argument for running for a second term rather than ceding the ground of the next generation that he is the Democrat most assured of beating former President Donald J. Trump next year. But a striking new poll challenged that case, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So deep breath here, Mona. A little bit of deja vu, a little bit of PTSD. Oh, not just a little, Charlie. <laughs> a lot. Just sprinkle a little bit of deja vu on your PTSD. Yes, exactly. All right. So, so <laughs> I would love to hear you on this question. I have my criticisms of the Biden administration. I don't like some of the policies, but I am mystified at the ferocious sense that I hear from people that things are just awful right now, that Biden has been a failure, that the choice between Biden and Trump is, you know, sort of both are horrible and equally so. And I am really struggling to understand what's going on here. Is it just the age? What is going on out there? No, that is a really interesting question. And, and you know, we could do our critique of Joe Biden, but I think you've, you've kind of touched on it. I think that America is just in a thoroughly bad mood right now. I think we're in some sort of post-pandemic hangover. Now, I was trying to remember the malaise of the 1970s and whether, you know, things felt as dark. I do think the country is is in a bad mood. There is this sense that, uh, you know, things are falling apart, that things aren't holding. Now, I think the contrast is that in people's actual personal lives, things are going pretty well. But there is that kind of global sense that everything is shit. And I think that that's, that's what's being reflected here, that people are just yeah. cranky. And the prospect of having to go through Biden-Trump again has just got people, I don't know, just uh, in a certain mood. I think they'll get over it. I think that at a certain point, there will be that sense of, okay, Joe Biden's old. Uh, Joe Biden's lost a step. I don't agree with everything. But 
this is what we got. These are the cards we're dealt. And we have to do whatever it is to prevent Donald Trump from returning to office. I mean, you know, for a lot of Americans, I think there will be that sort of negative partisanship, but it feels exhausting. And I think that people are taking out that exhaustion and whatever else word you want to use that isn't malaise on Joe Biden. What do you think? Yeah, I guess so. I also wonder, though, if, you know, the, the, the shocking number of people who think that he has dementia. Yes. Look, I mean, you said that he's lost a step. Obviously, you know, he's not as sharp or as articulate as he was 20 years ago. But the idea that he has dementia is just cracked. The guy is functioning. He's fine in that sense. I mean, you know, okay, he he, he makes mistakes. He always did, by the way, in his speech. He was sort of famous for gaffes. So do we all. And so do we all, exactly. But there are just these huge numbers of people who are convinced that uh, that he is really um, suffering from dementia and not able to to do the job. And that's really, I mean, that's something that the White House can combat, it seems to me. I do think they need to combat it. I mean, you know, part yeah. of it is, is that the way they're behaving seems to be in some ways kind of a backhanded acknowledgement of it. Look, in, in the right-wing media ecosystem, this has been a constant narrative. This has been a drumbeat. If you spend any time on social media, any time on YouTube, you know, they pound away on this. They will find any clip showing him slipping. So this is a huge issue. And I also think that there has been a certain amount of denialism by the Biden White House and by his fanboys that everybody thinks, well, everything's great. Look at all these bills he's passed. You know, how can anybody question him without a recognition that he really has not done an effective job in presenting himself? I'm trying to think of the last president of the United States who was so much in the background, who felt like a cipher and therefore allows his enemies and his opponents to define him. Now, some of that's fixable and some of it's not. Yeah, people do expect the president to loom larger on the national scene than Biden does. Yes. And uh, to seize moments like I remember a year, more than a year ago now, 14 months ago, when Russia invaded Ukraine, I argued strenuously for a big Mm. Biden speech about the meaning of this moment and about what we stand for and about freedom versus tyranny and things that I know are dear to his heart. And he let it go by. He didn't do it. And there have been many other, maybe not quite as consequential moments, but there have been many other moments where he just doesn't dominate the space. And, you know, we didn't want another president to be like Trump tweeting at 3 a.m. every day. And God, you know, in our faces, no, we didn't want that. But he has gone too far in the other direction. And uh, as you say, allowing other people to define him and, you know, sort of say, well, I'm just doing the job. You know, a big part of the job is just showing up and letting people see you. And that, you know, is something that he has not and his people have not grasped. Here's the good news that I'm, you know, pulling out of all this is that it's early and that they need to have some adjustment. The worst thing that they could do right now would be to wallow in a certain amount of complacency right. um, because that that's what happened back in 2016, that sense of inevitability, that sense that you can you can do everything that you don't need to be politically prudent or that it's okay to, you know, keep him in the basement. Well, that's not true. The other problem that's going to be more difficult is is of course 
the Republicans have have really, you know, honed in on the theme of running against dead Joe Biden live Kamala Harris. I'm borrowing that from mm-hmm. one of our uh, from one of our colleagues. And I have to say that the right solution to that is not to spend the next year and a half saying, no, Kamala would be great. She'd be fantastic because really nobody from either party really thinks she's ready for prime time. And that's just a problem. So I think that there needs to be a, a moment at which there are people who understand. Yeah, by the way, you and I get ripped all the time for you know criticizing Democrats for not doing popular things. Somebody said, the reason I don't read the bulwark anymore is because Charlie Sykes is insufficiently committed to democracy because he criticizes Democrats. Well, no, you need to make a distinction between left-wing politics and democracy. And if you really favor democracy, then you will urge people not to do things that will cause them to lose elections to the anti-democratic forces. And I think there's a certain denialism among Democrats that, you know, they are upset about gun violence, as you and I both are. And yet they don't talk much about urban gun violence. You know, we are about to have a real, genuine crisis at the border. They need to focus on that. There are other issues out there that don't penetrate the, shall we say, the progressive media bubble. And I think that Joe Biden is, I think he's aware of that. I think he's moved to the center. But I think that there's, you know, there's a kind of a come to Jesus moment. Like, okay, you understand this this thing is not a two-inch putt here. And you're going to have to pursue popular policies and avoid the crazy shit between now and next November. Hi, Mona Charon here. Thanks for listening to this preview of Just Between Us. To hear the rest of our conversation, which also included advice for Democrats about running on law and order, CNN's awful town hall with Trump, and other topics, please head on over to thebulwark.com and subscribe. Become part of the Bulwark Plus community.